Welcome, Jess, to the podcast once again. Yay, starting. We're starting. This is uh, One Man in Possession of a Podcast. I'm Chad. Yay, thank and this is my guest. I'm Jessica. We got Jess on a second time. Jessica. It's unprecedented. My next episode is going to have Carrie and Jessica, and she's Jessica, and you're Jess, so it's not confusing. I like it. <laughs> it's perfect. Last month. Oh, so we're covering the BBC 1981 Sense and Sensibility. There's seven episodes. They're about, what, 35, 40 minutes apiece. And I watched it last month. Uh... In preparation for this. I watched it like today. I scheduled Jess two (laughs) weeks ago and I'm like, you're ready for tonight. And she's like, I am not ready for tonight. And yes, I'm calling you out in public, Jess. (laughs) And so I'm like, great. And then you're like, "Uh, I've got a writing retreat. And then maybe in August and you're like, never mind, maybe in late July we can. So it's two weeks (laughs) later. I barely remember these things. I've been sitting on this dumb episode for so long. I want to move past it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Get this thing out of my brain. I have to think about Eleanor. Ugh. You still have another adaptation. I have so many adaptations, but I want to think of about other other adaptations. Sure. Rather than this 1981 one that I've this been sitting specific- on for a month. This specific one. Yeah. There's a lot more sense and sensibility adaptations that I have to do. Uh, the candle one and the 95 oh in 2008 that's it right are you seeing that flickering bbc oh so angley 95 and then there's a bollywood it's called i have found it from 2000 oh yeah yeah, yeah. i haven't seen that one the one two three bbc 2008 with nikki prada tanada is uh 2011 sense and sensibility with the candles there's one on tubi called marianne it's a 2014 one it looks dark and then, I don't know. I've never seen it. Like it came up with like on IMDb, you search for sensibility. You also might like, and then it showed like this list. You're like, thank you for the suggestions. I do like. <laughs> so funny. And then the last one is Sense Sensibility and Snowmen. It's um, and then we're yeah. done with Sense and Sensibility, and we can finally move on to another book. Jess, how did you get started? With Jane Austen, do you remember like your first encounters? Um, I think I had watched ninety five BBC Pride and Prejudice, like as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would I would say the real beginning was two thousand five Kira Knightley version that I watched with my roommates at the Provo Town Center Mall. Oh, in the theater, huh? In the theater, yeah. We had like a whole girls' dorm U Haul group thing mm-hmm. so we had a sign up on my door everybody went and it was really fun um, and I remember saying that I could never imagine two sisters like snuggling under the covers and not fighting at all I was like that's not real and my roommate was like so she's okay let me talk about my roommate for a hot second she is a coral conductor it. she's a coral conductor in Boston now but she was a double major piano and violin and um, then she decided she didn't really want to practice violin that much. So she uh, just decided to join BYU singers as, a, you know, baby. Just was like, I can, I've got it. Just no big deal. The highest, you know, singing group in the thing. And then um, she got engaged on the White Cliffs of Dover. She's married to another professor. It's like this. She's just amazing. Anyway, but she was like, what do you mean sisters would fight? Why would they do that? 
Never mind. You didn't know her before? No, she was just she's just like this perfect person. She's so sweet too. She's my favorite person. She's so good. <laughs> Literally the best person on the planet. She's like so nice. I'm not sure how we got together, but she is so great. But yeah, so it's really Mariah's fault. So you didn't read anything. So you saw you saw the BBC. Oh, I oh no, I read Pride and Prejudice in high school and I thought it was boring. Okay. Love dances. That wasn't that exciting. Um, but yeah, so then I got like the 95 or the 2005 was like the the beginning. And then I started reading it again um, after college, like after my mission and stuff, I was going through classics. I either hadn't read or thought were boring in high school to try and reread them. Mm-hmm. So like I reread Little Women. Yes. Um, I reread Pride and Prejudice. I read Frankenstein and Scarlet Letter and like Uncle Tom's Cabin. I read a whole bunch of them. What do you think about um, the Little Women, uh, Winona Ryder and uh, versus Greta Gerwig? No, just like as a oh. kid, did that impact? I never you at watched all? that one. I don't think. Oh really? Okay. We watched a lot of very old movies. Like Gone with the Wind was my favorite movie from the time I was seven. Because that's a thing that normal seven year olds enjoy. Yeah. Um, and we watched like a lot of movies from the thirties, forties. 50s, 60s. So a lot of the 90s ones we ended up skipping weirdly. I don't know why. Anyway, so I reread Pride and Prejudice and I liked it. And then in, oh, I think we talked about this last time in 2010 I, or 12, I was in DC working and I found Jane Austen fan fiction or Austen esque fiction that was, uh, I think that first one was Death Comes to Pemberley. And then I would think there was another one that was like Kitty, Kitty Bennett's Diary maybe something else, but there, I just read them um, on the Metro to and from work. And then I really, really got into it. You were in DC. You said yeah. we were and, at Andrews at Andrews. Okay. Where did you live in DC? We lived in Alexandria right across the bridge from crystal city. Uh-huh. I stayed in a hotel in crystal city and you know, that underground like boardwalk, oh, no. like business strip thing. And then mm-hmm. it's, you just walk to the Metro yeah. there and then took Went over to the DHS headquarters and it was so fun. Woohoo! Yeah, that was my metro station, my little shuttlement right there. And then it was Lonfont, Lonfont station down at uh, in DC that I had to get off on. Oh, nice! It was so fun. That was yeah. So it's on my list of to ask all the guests what their beginnings of Pride and Prejudice or of Jane Austen things are. And I yeah. know that last episode we talked about your fan fiction beginnings. But you never oh, yeah. went, you never went back and like but I guess you didn't have much. You got into Jane Austen through fan fiction. <laughs> yeah, I got I got much more into Jane Austen through fan fiction. I mean, I liked it. It was fine. I didn't hate it or I wasn't a member of Jasna or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> but now you are. You're in you're in but this world. I'm not a member of Jasna, but I probably should be. Oh, you're not? No. There's not one here, I don't think. I mean there might be one like in, I think there was one like in Henderson, but Here's the thing with Chasna and Jaff. Sometimes the Chasna people are a little bit snobby. So I don't want to deal with it. Right now I'm reading Middlemarch and then I'm going to watch the adaptation. Yeah. And it's, going to, it's going to be fun. But not for this podcast. That's a George Eliot podcast. Right. And I'm not starting another podcast. This is it for now. <laughs> this is enough. So last episode we talked 1970s bbc sense and sensibility yes. and we liked it and thought it was kind of yes. charming and it had like these warm colors and it was cozy what do you think about 1981 bbc i don't know when bbc lost its money 
in between 1971 and 1980. It was fine. It's drab compared to the last one. And they needed a different sound guy, I feel like, because the sound, I swear it was like a servant's walking in the background. I was like, I can't hear anybody. Oh, and then uh, there's a lot of offstage laughter that happens, which was really annoying. Yeah. And uh, what was the other thing? Oh, there's a scene at the very beginning when uh, Marianne's playing the pianoforte at uh, not Barton College, at Sir John's house. You can't hear the dialogue. I'm like, oh, well, I'm glad the pianoforte is the most important thing happening in this scene because that's all I can hear. That's funny. Anyway. I mean, I guess the sound guy died at some point in between there. They had to hire a new one later. This is the cast. We're looking at the IMDb page of The Sense and Sensibility uh, 1981. We're going to go through some characters and see how we like them. So first is Irene Richard as Eleanor Dashwood. Any thoughts on uh, Irene? Okay, I actually like this thumbnail because this is her happy face. This like open mouth gape. Uh Yeah, that's I'm going to marry Edward now. That's her face. Yeah. One of my notes, it says she reminds me of a mouse, not in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah. She's Just nice. like, she's, she's, she's sweet. She's like a Fifle Goes West type of mouse. And it's, and it's yeah. fine. Yeah. She's fine. No real complaints about her acting. Just generally. No complaints about her voice. She's not like a super good face actor what do you think about uh tracy childs who played marianne she was 22 when this filmed which was better than 200 800 800 (laughs) i think she was fine she looked she looked at least yeah she looked at least age appropriate right and um like this she and she gave some serious like rosy cheeks she was all porcelain skin yeah she was cute Mm -hmm. her hair better so her hair just had some like little framing curls yeah. versus eleanor that had curl bangs yeah which was a choice that they made <laughs> okay um that's why we bring you on you're bringing the, the insights jess <laughs> i just couldn't with the bit i was like is this again i recognize it's 1981 so maybe that was like how her hair was so they were like we got bangs let's do something with them i'm not sure what happened there wear a wig what about Colonel Brandon on this one? Oh, I kind of liked him, actually. He had some chops. Oh. As in, like... Uh, Weird. So this is this is um, Edward. Edward was also mousy, so maybe it worked out. He was, and he like, talked with a way of like not moving his top lip and only moving his bottom lip up and down. So you can like yes. see his bottom teeth when he talks. Yes. We're going to watch some clips later on, and... Uh, We'll point him out. I'm just looking for a picture of Colonel Brandon right now. See, she's yeah, those... cute. Yeah, no, she was great. Marianne was fabulous. Very pretty. Um, oh, yeah, he does have huge chops. Um, yeah, I think you even texted me a picture and said, wait till you see the sideburns on Colonel Brandon. Oh, no, I texted you a picture of Edward's uh, puffy sleeves. Oh, yeah, the puffy <laughs> sleeves. Yes, also that. So there's some chops on Colonel Brandon there. It's I, this picture I think sums up the 1981 BBC. It's kind Everyone. of dour, overcast. Dour. Um, it, it's using like a blue tint instead of a, a warm red tint. Like the 1970s was on a soundstage and just so warm. Uh, yeah. And this one is just felt cold and natural lighting. 
which is fine. Awesome. But when you're in natural lighting in like an 1800s wooden floor in like the winter time, it's just kind of kind of depressing. I feel like they they had a lot of costume choices that were more dour too. The, like, oh, 1970 Marianne, BBC costumes Marianne were was, so good. Right, yeah. Marianne's in like brown almost this whole movie. Mm-hmm. With some occasional other choices, but the vast majority is brown and sad. And oh, this is the the dress that's in this picture right here is um like what I like to think of as J- uh, Wendy Darling's dress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's ready to go to Neverland. She is ready to go. She's in her pajamas. <laughs> yeah. Like it's that same color and everything. Yeah. But yeah, there's just that sad pink, sad blue. Oh, and there's Marianne being sad. What did you think? Let's go- keep on going on some other characters. Sorry, we're- I was just... For, all- for the audience, I mean, this really isn't for any audiences. This is just for me and for the guests. So we're just having a fun time. And whoever listens, I apologize. Listen. You don't You don't have to listen. You do. I think... How would we- you get excellent commentary on the 1981 Sense and Sensibility. <laughs> Everyone's is, dying to know. This is not content you're seeing all the time. I thought Mrs. Jennings and uh, Sir John were fine and they were not remarkable. I really liked Mrs. Jennings. I actually liked at the, uh, whatever, the three quarters of the way through when Marianne is sick, oh, where that... Mrs. Jennings like, you know, mm-hmm. I took her from my mother and I need to be their mother. Like, I thought she was a little bit more caring than she is in the other one. She was less silly, yep. which is my favorite part about Mrs. Jennings. But I appreciated that they made that decision to go that way. Also, she was so skinny compared to the other ones. Yeah. Yep. True. Lady Middleton. I don't have any oh, thoughts. She was barely in there. Edward Fares had the wispy blonde 80s hair. Remind me of my dad. When I see pictures of my dad from college. I, I said oh, Joseph Smith from Legacy. Yeah. <laughs> That was my Peter. Yes. Anything else about Bosco Hogan as Edward Ferris? He was uh, so he was no. slight. He was very mousy and slight. He like... was, and I, I kind of appreciated that they made him um, awkward, but like meta about it, where he's like, I don't really get along with gentility. I don't know. I'm a little bit awkward, and they're like, but we're you're not awkward around us, and he's like, yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, oh, I'm dying for you, buddy. <laughs> Which I appreciated about his performance. But other than that, he was kind of unremarkable and had no chemistry with anyone in that cast. Yeah. Yeah, he was fine. The chemistry. We're going to watch a scene later of like their devotion to each other when they profess their love. And it's going to be great. So John Willoughby was played by Peter Woodward. I thought he was great. And so handsome. Yeah, I thought he was good. Uh, Tom, Susan, Mrs. Dashwood. I don't know. John Dashwood. I thought John Dashwood was fun. We're going to watch a scene of him. Yeah. I've got all these. You see these YouTube up here? Yeah, these, look at you. I got them all pointed out, out. We're going to watch a little bit. What? How did you watch this? On YouTube. So with the curtains and everything? That's you... the one. I just chose to ignore it. <laughs> sure. What are you going to do? Fanny Dashwood. That's fine. Lucy. St- I thought the Miss Steeles, they were fine, I guess. Any idea? Uh, any I forgot opinions? the other Miss Steele was even in there because really only Lucy was. I mean, the one showed up for like half a second. Robert Fairs. Did you hear the mention of the uh, toothpick box? Yeah. I wanted to. to oh, 
not only did I, I I started looking up vintage toothpick boxes on eBay. You're just I, getting them now. I'm gonna get one. Please, yes. <laughs> just this is it. This is. And then thing. I mean, so it was two days of toothpicks. So I watched this, and then I watched Drive with Ryan Gosling. Oh and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, Carrie yeah. Mogan was just so adorable in Drive. She had like this pixie haircut and like a waitress outfit. And Ryan Gosling was a driver. But the point of this story is Ryan Gosling would like had a toothpick in his mouth the whole time. Also had a toothpick. And so I'm like, toothpicks, it's a sign. It's a thing. Let's go through what you liked as far as this adaptation, what they included. Did anything stand out to you? Look at my notes. They did a lot. Uh, the, it starts out, the the movie starts out, of course, with them, the sister and the brother, sister-in-law and the brother, um, or the, the half-brother talking about how much they're going to give or the oath that they, the promise to the, the dad. Right. You think they did that um, scene justice? Yeah, I think they did fine. I actually like the, they added, I think they added it. I haven't, okay, I haven't read the book for a while, full disclosure, mm-hmm. um, but I liked that there was another scene right after that one where Mrs. Dashwood is talking to Mrs. Dashwood and is like, oh, it's such a shame. You're going to take this furniture and this china because it works so well in the house. And she's like, yeah, so it's mine. So it's I'm, mine. I'm, it actually came with my, my family. This is my family. It came with me. <laughs> she's like, where? <laughs> I liked that because I felt like it was even colder. Like, yeah. not only do I want your stuff, but I want all of your stuff. Yeah, that was. So I thought book. that way. I thought that well. I'm just looking at this face from Sense and Sensibility, 1970. Well, look at that hair on Colonel Brandon, too. <laughs> Oof. Uh, anyway, um, no, I feel like they, I feel like most of the stuff that they kept in was, was in. I do feel like they stayed really true to the book, mm-hmm. and they definitely did not add any dramatic tension, except with the inappropriately, weirdly tense music. Yeah. Um, but well, I this is different was, from the the last one we watched because the last one had zero score, and this one had too much score. It wasn't even too much. It was just not a pro- like when uh, Edward comes at back at the very end, right? Yeah. Yay, we're getting it. It was like psycho music, like and Eleanor was running out, and they then they get engaged. It was very confusing. Uh-huh. It wasn't. Well, it was weird, is what it was. So it wasn't that it had too much score. It's just that they didn't, again, maybe the guy was fired. Maybe <laughs> John Williams wasn't available. Not really sure what happened. He was but, doing Star Wars. Right. He was busy. Clearly. I don't know. It was so weird. And they could have found just regular classical. They they didn't have to even have like. Hans Zimmer commit. There's they so much just... public domain classical music that you can put in these. Right. It would have been fine, but instead they went with funky psycho music. <laughs> what about know. the start? You know how like these these BBC episodes always have like the credits at the start with like the same music going yeah, on? Yeah, yeah. And this had, had the two sisters sitting on a seesaw and on teeter-totter. I just did like the seesaw actually. I literally was watching it going, what's happening to the youtube channel has it always been going up and down because <laughs> like maybe they're doing this now on top of the curtain so they really won't get filtered no it's just they're on a seesaw it's fine <laughs> oh the other thing i was going to say is that they cut 
there's no transition in these scenes. It's like, we're talking next scene. Somebody else is talking now. Like they needed a PowerPoint animator going, whoop, fade out. Yes. Star. You could swipe to left like on Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. <or> <laughs> None of that was happening in this movie. Full cuts. And they didn't necessarily make sense. It was just, okay, guys, that scene's done. Take it outside. It was confusing. So character-wise, which one did you like better? This one or the 1970 one? I think I liked the 1971, except for Mary Marianne. Yeah, he was a weirdo in the last one. Yeah, because the last one had like the Scott Ackerman look-alike Edward. Yes, although um, I liked him. I thought because Edward was kind of oriented. What about Willoughby? I can't remember the last Willoughby. I like this Willoughby. I like this Willoughby better. Yeah, I I mean I watched it and I was ready to talk about it and then I'm like oh I can't talk about it I gotta wait for a couple of weeks it's like a couple then weeks you later. had to wait longer I'm so like, sorry. and then it's like I can't remember that much of it so it's like it's not it's, that's what I would say is the biggest problem with it I literally just watched it and it was wildly forgettable yeah and so I can't remember that much of it so I took notes and I was looking at my notes and like I don't know what that means <laughs> I should be more detailed on my notes I have some notes, but my okay. Let's see. I have the Hold seesaw. On. We're not we're not going to get into your notes yet. What we're going to do no. is we're going to take our first commercial break. Commercial and then, break, and then we're going to go through Jess's notes. Perfect. All right, let's bring out our notes. We got our notes. All right. Out. We are watching these adaptations, Oops. and we're planning on talking about them. This is what this whole podcast is. This is this is it for doing it. Um, okay, so at home, we just want to publicly thank Jess for two in a row of these BBC old school adaptations that we're putting her through. It's it's not a normal thing going forward. We're going to have different guests on each episode, but Jess is going to be a recurring guest and slash co-host on some of these things we need to get kylie in on some of these and i'm thinking maybe bridget jones diary for a kylie i don't know that would be great for her i think so as a podcaster Um, is this this lachlan this one's lachlan say hi hey buddy um sorry none of my kids sleep so oh my kids aren't asleep your kids are Literally years older than some of my children. Oh, yeah, that's true. My youngest is five, so I yeah. got you. Yeah, no, they just don't sleep. Anyway, okay, notes. Um, okay, at the very, very beginning scene, like they're in the carriage and everybody's in mourning. Everybody's in black. And then flash to badly cut next scene. And the girls are in mourning. But then Mrs. Dashwood, the wife of John Dashwood, not to be confused with the old Mrs. Dashwood, is not, they're not in mourning at all. Nothing. I was like, ouch. Yep, so I dad. felt bad. That's his dad. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's her. Uh, Step, yeah, her father-in-law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, oh, also, Mrs. Dashwood in particular, this particular one, looks wildly pregnant. And she sits and, like, holds her stomach in a weird way. And I went, ah. How did you get this? Okay, you. No, hold on. Keep on holding them. We're gonna do a. We're gonna do a capture. I got. I got my snipping tool up. Everyone, look at the camera and smile. 
Perfect. Ah. <laughs> uh, okay. Sound. I already talked about the seesaw. We talked about pets. We already talked about. So they're leaving Norwood, and Marianne is in the forest. I don't know what she. There's a lot of green space happening, and it looks like she is kissing the trees like Molly Shannon as Mary Catherine Gallagher. This was the farewell like, to Norland speech. Yeah, yeah. She's just like, oh, goodbye. Oh, they call Farewell, it trees. Will you remember me when I'm gone? Yeah. It's like, oh, gosh. Get- well, I mean, this was better than the uh, 1970 one where it was just because it was Marianne. Anything with Marianne in this one is going to be better than the Marianne one. That is 100% true. <laughs> I just thought it was especially weird that it was like, the rest of the entire movie show episodes all were in a completely different place than whatever Mesozoic era green space she was in. Yeah. yeah. Like she went to Washington state for that one. And then they were in like Southwest Texas for the rest of the movie. It was very good. <laughs> Let's see. This is a, Oh, the music is next level dramatic. This is skinnier. Mrs. Jennings can't hear anything over the stupid piano forte. Oh, I put for the love, added in post. Colonel Brandon's sideburns are a choice. Oh, I put like Johnny Flynn, who was in Emma, because he had really gigantic sideburns too. Yep. In Emma 2022. Yep, period. Uh, let's see, or 2020. Willoughby's blonde. Oh, the casting director was a fan of large-nosed men. Every man <laughs> in this movie had a schnoz, like a beak. I uh, resemble that remark, so I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) They were enormous. Uh Um, Willoughby has a nice singing voice, which also reminded me of Johnny Flynn. Yeah, that's right. Blonde, handsome. Yeah, it was was a lot happening. Yeah. Uh, Colonel Brandon has a cane, and he works it. I can just see that he was in the costume department, and they were like, okay, this is your outfit. And he's like, can I have that cane? And they were like, okay. And then he was like no this is my cane this is it makes me colonel brandon he loved it and he's always doing stuff with it he like like it's a stick shift he loved it <laughs> oh this is a story thing just unrelated i love that edward comes and visits i realize that's a stupid thing but i do <laughs> how i just love that he does also how adult is this podcast because i put i love that edward comes and I literally sat there going, <laughs> what? That was anyway. my that was my question to you. Because, okay, this is a complete tangent, but kind of, yeah. gen- gen- it's fan fiction related. Yes. So fan fictions, I didn't realize, well, okay. My, ex- <laughs> my understanding of fan fictions is yes. like Fifty Shades of Grey is a fan fiction of Twilight. And you take Twilight. It's a fan fiction of Pride and Prejudice, not that. Oh, fan. sure, but it's it's sexed up, right? So, I'm sure there's a world where they take Jane Austen or read or and then make it sexed up. Oh boy, there is. There's a whole section. Okay. Most of it, however, most of it. I mean, that's not true. There could be a whole lot more that I just don't know about. I will say, however, the vast majority of Jeff that I have encountered in the wild is like clean, sweet romance. Sometimes they kiss and their tongues touch or something. And then sometimes there's like a sex scene that closes doors when it, you know, when it actually gets going. But yeah, so the vast majority of it 
is so it's like there, really you know sweet. what's going to happen. It's very romantic, and then the camera like there's go the camera moves off the subject right or you know he might touch the... her sensuous mounds or something like it's very low-key yeah over seven folds of... of layer or layers right. of clothes there's, it like on the on the scale from like harlequin to erotica it's like baby harlequin not even that much it's it's sweet oh most of it i think they just kiss at the end okay and then i mean some i mean the a lot is uh, Pride and Prejudice, where they end up married and have kids and things. Uh, uh, yes, depending. I would say the vast majority of them are Pride and Prejudice variations, where it's just they might not stick to canon, but they retell the story in some way. Maybe it's from Darcy's perspective. Maybe it's from Kitty's perspective. Maybe it's from the dog's perspective. Maybe it's from Lady DeBert, like whatever it is. They've got like a thing happening. Oh man, I've been listening to this Agatha Christie. So Agatha Christie's got old and she got dementia and she wrote this last book was called The Posturing of Fate. And Mm -hmm. it's the worst thing. And I was listening to it with Henry while we're driving back and forth to places. And it's a lot of it is from the dog's perspective yeah. and then the voice of the narrator is talking like in the dog's oh, voice and i just hated it so much so anytime that you said the, the dogs dog. yeah the dog it had like <laughs> the dog was a character and it made me so mad i hate that so if you do not leave this room i'm going to be so angry please go <laughs> bye thank you who's that is that uh that one's logan, logan? hey logan tell logan hi for me He's a great kid. Not right now. We're going to take a note, uh, a pause from these notes, and we're going to talk about fan fiction. Yes. And so Jess just came back from a writer's conference. I did. Where was this? So it wasn't, it wasn't a conference. It was a retreat. I went to Park City with the authors Elizabeth Adams and Melanie Rachel. Uh, in case you need a book, Elizabeth Adams' Green Card is my most favorite, and Melanie Rachel's Interwoven is my most favorite. These are all Jane Austen adaptations. These are Jane Austen adaptations. Green card is more contemporary romance. It's a modern. Um, But Mr. Darcy, he's not called, he's not named, he's named, I think, Will and Liz. But he's not named Darcy in the book. Um, Anyway, but essentially Mr. Darcy is in England and he's like running a company. And I can't remember what happens. He, He like has to stay in America. And so he needs a green card. Um, And he pays Elizabeth Bennett, basically, to um, like commit green card fraud uh-huh. and get married. They have to be married for at least a year. And he's like, look, I'll put you up. I'll do whatever. And then, you know, you can like go live your life. Um, so that's the premise of that one. And then um, uh, Melanie Rachel's Interwoven is Pride and Prejudice, but everybody is magical. They're all mages. Love and it. I'm on board like immediately. A- <laughs> it it was really good, actually. I'm not always a super fan of fantasy, Jeff, but this one was really good. Uh, and Elizabeth wants to go to... So Pemberley is is like a alternate place. It's not fey stuff. It's like an in-between, in-the-sky thing. Anyway, so they... Um, okay. Pemberley, they, it's like a training facility thing. And Elizabeth breaks in, basically, and has to stay there for at least a year. And then stuff ensues. Magic ensues. But it's fun. And these are clean. These aren't a, like adult sexy things. Uh, green card has some scenes. What? No, I know. I don't always stay in the clean romance section. <laughs> Ask me how I know about other books. 
I read all of them. I just have a good time. But yes, uh, but those are my favorite. So I was out there in, I was in Park City with them and we all literally sat there and wrote all day and then we went out to dinner. And we went so to it was just three. This was like a retreat. We're like, this hey, let's like get retreat. together, my friends. We'll go up to Park City wrote. and write and then go to dinner at night. We went to dinner at night and then we went to um, Wasatch Brew Pub and we did trivia and we got second the first time or and first the second time. The best was we actually were really good pair. We are a little good team because Elizabeth knows all of popular music and I don't. Yeah. Um, Melanie knew a bunch of like kind of random stuff. Like uh, she knew what Megan's Law was. Like there were some random things. And then I knew just a bunch of other things and it was great. So we won on uh, like basically who was Anastasia's dad. And he, the guy was like, you have to be specific. And we're like, Czar Nicholas Romanoff, the second. And we won because we, we were the only people that put the second. Czar Nicholas, totally different guy, turns out. So anyway, but yeah, we were just at this retreat and it was great. And I got 15,000 $15, words on my new novella called Stroke of Good Fortune. I can finish it. And then I organized my novel and I went through it and fixed it. And that'll be called Calm Waters. And I'm hoping the novella will be out by like, October ish, hopefully before then, but by then. And then I'm hoping that the novel will be about I like next year, sometime next spring, sometime. And then I have another book. Uh, I'm in an anthology, a short story in an anthology called, I think I said, I think of the title is Home of Home for Christmas. Clearly, I remember I really worked hard on that title, Home for Christmas. And then it'll come out in an anthology with um, by Christy Holtz. And I don't know who all's in it this year. That sounds so busy it sounds like a lot of time yeah i don't know how you do it i don't either <laughs> and then you're like and i'm gonna go like dedicate another six months a of, of a show which is gonna be so much time and you're like oh yeah the books should be coming out this fall what do you mean if you're auditioning to a show that's like august september october and yeah. into november and then <laughs> yeah it's fine no big deal well, that sounds great and fun. I was in, under the impression it was like a convention conference type thing with a bunch, but I no, didn't realize it was just a friends group going up and the, writing. The Jaff Con is in October. Got it. If anybody <laughs> wants to go, it's Jaff Reader Writer Get Together. Victoria Kincaid is the admin. Uh, Victoria Kincaid, you rock. She's so good. She wrote President Darcy, which is so fun. And she's right. She wrote, um, I don't know, some another fantasy one just came out like this last week. Summer Hanford's the other admin, and she came out with Prejudice, Pride, Prejudice, and Planets or something this last week, two, two weeks ago. I think uh, I'm going to make a goal of this podcast to get, like, Shannon Hale and Leilani Larson on this podcast, some some famous people, and talk about their, their adaptation. That'd be fun. Get Joshua Hess on here. Yeah, seems great. Because... I like these adaptations that you're talking about, but they're yeah. book adaptations. Well, totally non-famous. Well, the, well, the problem is they have to be a film adaptation for me to talk about them. Who did Lizzie Bennett's Diary? You should get her. Okay. And the YouTube. Mm -hmm. Is it good? Yeah. Is that part of... I'll have to add it to my Pride and Prejudice thing. Oh, and right now we're just going to plug Jess. She's an author. Name is Lee Dreyer. Yes. I'm going to link it in the show notes of this episode. Yes. 
So go click that and download her books on. Can you buy physical copies too, or is it just Kindle? Yeah, it's it's on ebook and paperback. I'm also available on Kindle Unlimited. Very cool. Ooh. So you read a bunch and you write a bunch and you homeschool and yeah. you audition for plays and then you go on month long vacations in the summertime. Yeah. I support it. It's fine. Everything's good. <laughs> okay. Ask me how clean my house is. Sure. <laughs> so clean because I pay people. <laughs> okay. Um, back to notes or you? Let me think. Yeah. Do I have any other questions about fan fiction while I have you here? Because you're not going to be an episode on a guest. You're going to be so a co-host. Long. You're going to be a co-host on Nikki's. Yeah. But that's a different. Next. That's different because we're not going to be asking you questions. You're going to be asking right. the questions. Yeah. The next time we got you is the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, which is that's in a like long time. Ten years from now. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be, be. It'll be next year for sure. I think yeah. I'm gonna up the production schedule. Right now, it's like once a month. I'm gonna, I'm gonna one every two weeks. Yeah, I'm gonna. I can. I can. <clears throat> well, these are the like the seventeen-year-long Jane Austen. <laughs> these are like the seven-episode BBC ones, which is hard to. And the summertime's busy. What I'm saying yeah. is, I appreciate you doing this two in a row on these two unknown BBC adaptations that were kind of hard to watch, but still fun. We're making it work. And you're doing great. <laughs> It'd be great. Um, yeah. If you have any other questions about Jeff, I will answer. Otherwise, okay. we can note. Well, I guess I'd like to do, I'd like to talk about it and mm-hmm. read some. But the yes. point of the uh, point of the podcast was to be a completionist as far as adaptations go and not as far as Jeff. But I think we will right. do a, a tangent and read some. And if you have some recommendations on what to read, and then we can talk about, and it'll be fun. It'll be a book adaptation episodes. Oh, yeah, it's hard because there's so many. We'll get there. It's, I'm going to take a poll. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to use this on my social media, and we'll get a poll going about if I had to pick five, which five would I have? All right, I'm keep just... on going. We're going. Okay, okay. focus now. We're talking Jess's notes right now. Notes. Um. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, Eleanor's happy face for Edward is like watching paint dry. Um, <laughs> oh, here's a question. Did yeah. you read the annotated version? I haven't read the annotated ones. Uh, no, I was going to say, why did Edward get private boarding tutoring? Like, rather than like an in-home situation? Because he didn't go to like university. He was just like a random student of What's her face? Mrs. Steele's uncle. Anyway, I just didn't know if the annotated version answers that question. Maybe it does somewhere. I have one somewhere that's annotated. I think on my Kindle. I'll have to go look. Anyway, um, Eleanor's eyebrows are from 2001. They are <laughs> so skinny and like drawn on. I feel like good ages are for everybody. And Miss Steele, uh, I feel like Miss Steele is really pretty. Oh, and I felt uh-huh. bad because the maids are like standing around, but they're in the back of every scene, like little soldier people, just like awkwardly standing there, and yes. they can't move because you can hear everything that happens. <laughs> so I'm sure they're just like, "Oh, please, for the love." Um, oh, I loved Robert Ferris. I thought he was so fabulous. 
the Colonel and Eleanor have a lot more chemistry in ver this version. Yeah. And like read so some, much. I was like, oh, they should get together. They read Cooper together. Cowper. Um, oh, and then like in episode, I don't know, six or something, the doctors are the stars of the show. It's like 20 minutes of just the doctors. We got the doctor, the first one, yeah. and then we got to get a different one, and then the different one comes in, and then we have yeah. another conversation. It was just yeah. funny. It was, um, it was so tedious. Marianne's sickness lasted so long, and I'm like, I am so sick of this. It was forever. They did a really um, good. So the book was really funny because everyone comes to town and comments on how Marianne is looking ugly. And how she's never going to get a husband if she keeps on being ugly like she is. She used to be so pretty and now she's ugly. And then she gets yeah. sick. And then she's she, like in the book, she stays yes. that like plain, like she lost right. all her beauty. Like Willoughby stole the beauty from her or whatever. And so now she has to like settle. As men often do. Okay. And they did a great job with like the under eye sick makeup and make it, her look all yeah. sick. Like, yeah. oh yeah, they did ugly her up. They tried. They, they tried. did fine. She's cute. Um, oh, I liked at the, the end there when she's like, I didn't know you liked books. And he's like, you never asked me. Why? Of course, you didn't know I liked books. Um, and then my favorite, the last sign, the last line was my children. Curtain. Why? Roll credits. Mm -hmm. What? That was dumb. <laughs> it's not even, it's not even a full line. Just my children. The little sister is named Charlotte, right? Margaret. Margaret. Yeah, they didn't have a Margaret in this one either. Which, side note, at my writing retreat, uh, we decided that's who I am. We were going through and saying, oh, you're an Elizabeth, and you're a Catherine Moreland, and you're whatever. Yeah, Margaret. Apparently, I'm lucky comic relief. Well, the Margaret's great because after the two sisters get married and move off, Margaret starts going to dances and going out in public, and she's just like, a home alone like like just a single a single child things. just like having a great time so i mean yeah the two older sister had the drama and then margaret just has all, all the fun my notes opening on a is so profound on a teeter okay, wait, wait, hold on hold on <laughs> one second yeah okay sorry their plans changed like 14 times which is why i didn't cancel this because i was like i, can't I thought you had that. you didn't have family in but now you do i wasn't supposed to so originally they were going to come you Wednesday through Saturday. Okay. No, see, listen. Originally okay. they were going to come Wednesday through Saturday. And then they were coming Saturday through Tuesday. And then it was, we're not coming at all. And then like two days ago, they were like, okay, we're coming Tuesday night. Okay. So, and then they were supposed to be here earlier and they're not. So eh, I told them, I was like, I'm doing a thing. Sorry. Deal with it. <laughs> so anyway. Doing a thing with Chad. We're talking about. Doing a thing with my friend Chad. Okay. Tell me your your nose. It's a lot more dim. It starts in a carriage. The opening is so profound on a teeter-totter with the sense and the sensibility. Edward's right. thinning 80s hair is great. Looks like my dad's college pictures. Bosca Hogan is 32. Eleanor looks like a cartoon mouse, not in a bad way. Can't find her age. There's no information about Eleanor's actress. She's not on IMDb after this. Or if she was, they don't post her birthday or anything like that. I listened to some readings of, of Cowper. I read some Cowper poetry. So that was my my deep dive into this. I and did it. It was a little bit too religious for me. And um, yeah, that's all. I'm sure it was There's fine. A, it's a lot. It's just religious poetry. And I don't I don't care about religious poetry. It's not for me. 
Marianne looks like a teen. At least she's 22. There's a musical score, exclamation point. The actor that plays Colonel Brandon is 36. So that's pretty cool. Costume, Look at that. Age appropriate. Right? Uh, costumes are very minimalist. And we're just going to watch a couple, like 30 seconds of this. So this one is uh, just Edward in a silver waistcoat and puppy sleeves. So here's that. They're so good. I like that Edward looks the same age as Mrs. Dashwood. I'll be bored in this house. I could never be bored your in this house. Was yours. I could tell by the color. It was. It wasn't her hair lock. Um, so close. This is. Uh, oh, and then a note is Eleanor is in a constant state of flared nostrils. And open mouth, like she looks like a mouth breather. Yeah, I don't think this, that she is, but she looks like one in the show. This is um, Robert Fair's. Robert Fair's intro. He's so fat. I like how much of a dandy he is in this. Yeah, it's he fits in. This is like Scarlet Pimpernel level yeah. dandiness. It's I, very, yeah. very fun. I feel like he really looks the uh, part too. I hope you do not fancy that you see any resemblance. I'm not proud of my brother, sir. <laughs> well, you seemed a decent young man to me, yes. If you can stand a fellow who dresses like a funeral mourner. Now, I must have everything just so for each occasion. Shirt, hat, gloves. Choosing the right clothes is the labor of my life. I can believe that, Mr. Ferris. Edward has no tongue. What? No polish. He's gauche, awkward, clumsy. And shall I tell you why? Pray tell me, Mr. Ferris. Because my mother would send him to a tutor when a boy. And you? Oh, public school, sir. Westminster, anything. I said to my mother, Edward is past saving now. Look at him. Look at me. See the difference. Oh, there are two young ladies I would like you to meet. My dears, this is Mr. Robert Ferris. Miss Dashwood, Miss Marianne Dashwood. Mr. Ferris is the younger brother of your friend, Mr. Edward Ferris. How do you do? <laughs> ah, there's Mr. Mason. Pray excuse me. I love this set. <laughs> you reside in Devonshire, I think. Devonshire, yeah, I think. Dawlish. Yeah, Dawlish. Yeah, Exeter, Indeed. Edward did mention something about calling upon you in your cottage. Yes, he did visit us. <laughs> He's so good. And then he gets bored and then he goes away. So that, that scene was funny because it was a single take. And the camera was close up and it didn't like there is a dialogue and you could have done like back and forth and done interesting things with the camera. Single, yep. single frame, two people in the frame. And that uh, Robert was his name, right? Yeah, Robert Ferris. Robert Ferris just like is just loving it. He's just acting up a storm yeah. and just like twirling his monocle. Like, He's like doing puff, it. puffing out his chest and putting one hand on his hip or whatever, and then, yeah. and then, it zo- it follows them as they go to the ladies. It doesn't cut. It's a single frame. So everyone was in that s- scene, just in the background, and then <laughs> it didn't have to be a single cut. There's nope. There was no point to it being a single. It didn't add to anything. It just maybe maybe it saved time on that day. Like. Okay, we've got this mansion with this staircase. We have 10 minutes. Everybody, <laughs> quick. Everyone, we're going to prepare this scene. And then it's going to be Robert. And he's going to go over and sit next to the sisters. And they did it. And it worked out great. But it didn't have to be a single take. <laughs> it's They made some 
cinema, cine, cinematic, that's the word. They made some cinematic choices that I would not have made. In the nineteen seventy BBC, the camera like slipped and got all wonky for a second. <laughs> and they kept it in. <laughs> I about See, that's why I was so concerned about the seesaw, because I was like, what is happening right now? <laughs> so that was a fun scene. The next one we're gonna do is so that was Robert Ferris. This is Anne Steele tells all. If this isn't overacting. Glad I was when she called Lucy to her side. I'm glad you show a proper feeling. Oh, I wondered, what's in her mind? What does she know? No. Or is this merely a sign of a favorable disposition? No, I mean. No, of what? What are you talking about, girl? The baby has to break it to her, and she already likes my Lucy. Break what? it to her? Break it? What is this? Well, come on, up with it. Lord, I thought you was in the secret or guest. And I insisted you did to stay. Lucy said I must never tell, but I thought you had all given it your approval. Give what? Approve what? Who are you to refer to my brother by his Christian name? Secret? What secret? My Edward's engagement to Lucy these last four years. It goes on for too long. Anyways, she was loving that scene too. And the director's like, just start shaking, do whatever you want to do. I loved it. Yeah. I like that he falls on her also, just like, oh, 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 I got to get up now. Yeah. Oh, something I also that I thought was funny about, or not funny, but fun about this particular one is I feel like they did um, a better job keeping a variety of accents mm-hmm. throughout the yeah. show. Not everyone so proper yeah i agree this one look is beak look at it <laughs> it is it is is straight beak i'd say a, a big nose is a handsome on a man i'm not saying they're <laughs> bad i'm just saying the director really the casting director specifically was like what do you have like a grecian nose out i don't want you so this is my notes on this is um willoughby looks like robert pattinson pattinson in this scene so let's take a look Bobby Pats. And do you know what happened at that dreadful party in London when your sister appealed to me? I was there too. I wish to die that night. But then you sent her that letter. Your Does that look like him? cruel letter. Shall I quote it to you? My wife's letter. Your wife's? It was in your handwriting. I had only the credit of copying what she dictated and the shame of signing. Oh, yeah. A little bit. Right there. Right there, yeah. yeah. So that was one of my notes. It looks like Bobby Pats right there. From Twilight fame. And now Batman. And then my last one. Oh, yeah, the end. Lucy took him for his money. My mother's settlement on him cannot be revoked. And a fitting pair they make. I was a free man. I rode down here to marry you and marched in upon you like a clumsy brute. No. Even now that I am asking for your hand. Are you? You see how his his top lip stays the same and then he moves his bottom lip? I want to see that again. I'm going to go back two seconds. Are you? Even now that I am asking for your hand. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes I think that people look a lot like what their skull must look like. And I feel like he is a person. I feel like he is a person that does. Like I didn't you know where just... you're going to go with that sentence, but I mean, it makes sense. 
but it was just surprising you know the skulls all probably look a little bit different but there's some people that i go ah that one looks just like their skull and then there's some people i'm like it could be any skull who knows who knows what's going on in their face he doesn't have a lot of like what's that the cheekbone the buccal fat i think it's called yeah he doesn't have a lot of any fat on his whole body he is a skeleton well and he just has like no lip like it's just you know you just go yeah i think i can see what you look like as a skull that's yeah. a really weird thing as a side note, but sometimes I just go, yeah. But you'll have to ask my mother's consent more gracefully. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, we missed it. She she said, I love you. That was funny. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to take our last ad break. Final thoughts on the adaptation that we just watched. Final thoughts. I think generally not bad. Desperately needed a different director with like a sound person and a transition person and some sort of a videography at all. You know, I don't know. There it were no fine. choices. And the choices that they made were odd choices. I mean, right. it's so cinematic. The 2005 Pride and Prejudice. Right. Sweeping score, like, beautiful vistas, crazy right. like sweeping cameras. It's just so beautiful. This and had no so, beauty. Even when they yeah. were outside, it was just kind of stark. And I'm like, oh, it's green. But it's like a pale, washed out blue. Yeah, it's like winter green. Sad green. Yeah. Um, somebody said, uh, while I was I think it was Elizabeth Adams while I was at my writing retreat. She was, we were talking about the adaptations that everyone always argues, like, which one is the best. I think they all are problematic for various reasons, but they're all great for various reasons. Like, this one was very true to the book, which I appreciate. Um, but, like, for 1995 Pride and Prejudice versus 2005 Pride and Prejudice, 1995 is very, is characters on a screen versus the 2005, which is you see people with life breathed into them. And I would say the same thing for this one. And the 1971 one versus like the 1995 sensibility. Like these are all just, these are the characters and they did a good job saying the words characters are supposed to say. Excellent. But they, they kind of missed all the personality in any of them. I haven't seen I... Ang Lee's 95 Sense and Sensibilities in probably 10 years or yeah. so. And I don't remember any of it except for Hugh Grant and Snape. Yeah. And... That I know the actresses, but yeah, and then the main plot points. But it's going to be fun coming from the book These? to yeah, trying to be faithful to the book adaptations and right. using the same language, and then see what Ang Lee has to do with the film adaptation, and not necessarily just like putting the story on the screen. Right. I think I think they do a good job of cutting what they need to cut. But also they add more of the like male gaze to it because they make a scene. There's a scene between um, Sir John and Colonel Brandon having a little chat, which doesn't happen in the book, doesn't happen anything else. But it adds a little bit of depth to Colonel Brandon's character. So he's not just like such a weird little oddball who's just there. Because in the book and in in these two adaptations, he just kind of shows up says it's like Jane Austen needed a plot device. I got to deliver some news. Okay. 
who can stick Colonel Brandon Colonel Brandon can say it okay and it's fine but he's not exciting there's so many um adaptations like book adaptations where the colonel gets with Eleanor because they make sense together but I feel like in this movie in the last movie I really liked Edward I was like yeah let's have Edward and Eleanor get together yeah let's do it uh-huh. but in this one I was like Eleanor you're chemistry is with colonel brandon and it really was this edward is so boring <laughs> he's so <laughs> terrible don't go with him you know it's just he just never had any interesting bits to him and then marianne was just dramatic not as dramatic as 800 year old marianne yeah. but you know just for no reason she wasn't well, she didn't even get the sensibility part she was just dramatic because i i have to say these crazy lines that's true but she was more of a teen dramatic rather than like an old lady dramatic like she was in the last adaptation yeah and then i remember kate winslet just being over the top and i remember uh the 2008 one that marianne is very dramatic he has a lot of feelings that one yeah, yeah. i don't know it's fine. I feel like this one's fine. It's totally forgettable, and I can see why nobody talks about it because it's just forgettable. Oh, well, no one talks about it because it's on YouTube also with awful. curtains and <laughs> weird sound. Like, who watches on things on YouTube? It's not on DVD anywhere. You and can't... it's hard. Yeah, you can't get it. And it's hard to hear over the piano forte that they chose not to add in post. Yeah, it was on BritBox, yeah. and I've I've been watching. Why didn't they ask Evans on BritBox? And it's great. Everyone should watch that. Really good. Really good. Sounds better than the 1981 Sans and Sensibility. Yep. Palette cleanser. Do you like uh, all these things I've already, we talked about. This is what we get for doing two episodes in a row. There's no like. There's no news. Well, I mean, I'm like, do you read books and then watch the adaptations? I don't know. What recent movies have you watched, Jess? Um, like in the theater? Or just generally? Just in general. What okay, have you been in watching? The theater, I've been watching Frasier on Paramount+. Plus. Love it. Which, as a side note, one, I was horrified that he starts out as 40 because I'm so much closer to that than I would like to be. And I remember him being practically dead because my parents watched it like when it was on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, he's so old. And it strikes me now that um, he was significantly older than them when they watched it versus me watching it now. So is this a comfort watch? Is this like nostalgia? I I tend to just pick shows and then just like watch them through. Uh Um, And I just like this is the most recent one. Um, I'm trying to think what movies I've even watched. I don't know. I'm not. I haven't seen. I haven't even been interested. I'm interested in Barbie and Oppenheimer, but I haven't had a chance to watch it yet because Andrew's been out of town. But, like, that's it. That's the only movie I've been like, oh, boy, I need to watch that one this whole year. There's a fun little scene in Barbie where it cuts to, like, depressed girls and they're like, and she's been watching the the 95 or the BBC Pride and Prejudice. And then it cuts to, like, uh, Darcy, like, proposing for the first time. Like for like, it's like a five second scene of Darcy going through dialogues in the middle of Barbie. And then it cuts right back to Barbie. So they're like, Wait, they just showed what? another movie in the middle of Barbie. <laughs> and it was they had to pay so much for that, I bet. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. 
Yeah. That really explains good. why it's been talked a lot about in my Pride and Prejudice groups, though. There you go. Yeah. Everyone's like, did you see it? I was like, no, I haven't had a chance. Stop it. Yeah, you should um, see it. It's really fun. I liked Top Gun Maverick. I thought they did a good job. I cried more in Barbie than I did in Oppenheimer. So that's something. <laughs> you know, no offense to Oppenheimer. And I recognize why one should cry. But uh-huh. I don't feel like I'm going to be especially weepy. No, there's, I realize some, why. there's some really touching scenes in Barbie. They're like, oh. Why this... I'm like, no, I think I'm going to cry really hard at Barbie. I'm not going to cry at the bomb. I think I've watched too many things. I know too much about the bomb. Versus Barbie, I'm like, oh, childhood nostalgia. Yeah. yeah, I haven't seen. What do you, what's even come out this year? I didn't watch Super Mario. Andrew took the kids by himself. I took the kids by myself, too. It's a Yeah, it's a dad-kid movie for sure. And then there was like that Jack Black Bowser uh, Peaches, peaches, yeah. peaches, peaches, peaches. Yeah. Now that's all I can ever sing to myself. I get it stuck in my head for weeks at a time. It's fine. Um, Barbie has a Ryan Gosling pulls out a guitar, starts playing um, Push by Matchbox 20. Yes. I want to push you around. And I will. Oh. He just starts from the beginning and it's like a, at least five minutes. And then, oh, I'm not going to spoil it, but it's I'm so great. excited. And then I, I got that song stuck in my head and I was singing it and Rachel got so mad that I was singing it. Oh. <laughs> Stop it. Let's see. Oh, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris on Amazon Prime. Yeah, you talked I about that. I watched the new one. It was good. There's nothing else. I just watch old movies. Yeah, sure. And then uh, we're going to do one of these. The trivia. Yay. So um, last time we did She Said. We'll do Friends. Friends. Uh, chapter seven. Friends. Charlotte Lucas is dear mm-hmm. friends to which Bennett sister? Elizabeth. Elizabeth. That seemed like a really easy. Well, it's, yeah. It's a, well, that was the first question. It's like <laughs> the Jeopardy 100 question. Okay. Maybe they'll get hired. I don't know. I didn't write these. <laughs> and I'm not defending it. So they might be easy because, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean that's true. <laughs> Who protests undying friendship with Catherine Moreland but is a false friend? Oh, oh gosh. What's I got name? multiple I choice. I oh, multiple read... choice. Yeah, these are all multiple choice. Because it's been a hot second since I Danny heard. Price, Isabella Thorpe, Eleanor Tilney, or Isabella Mrs. Thorpe. Allen. It's Isabella Thorpe, correct. Yeah. I just haven't read Rothinger Abbey and so... which friend from Mansfield that... Park. Sorry. Which... They're fine. Which friend does Lady Susan Vernon write to? Alicia Johnson, Eleanor Vernon, Mrs. Mainwaring, or Lady de Courcy? Lady de Courcy. Is that right? No, it's Alicia Johnson. Uh, well, Lady I don't think Susan. I've read Lady Susan in like a decade. I haven't got there yet. And Which older too- woman does Anne Elliot confide in and allow to guide her? Lady Russell, right? Lady Russell, Ooh. without even any hints. Yeah. Who does Emma Woodhouse replace her dear Miss Taylor with for companionship? Bunny? Harriet? Yeah, Harriet. Oh, okay. I was like, there's nobody there. Yeah. So it's either Jane Fairfax, Harriet Smith, Miss Bates, or Augusta Elton. So it's Harriet Smith. Harriet. Harriet's great. Yay. Which yeah. one of Captain Wentworth's friends lost their fiance to a premature death? Oh, uh, is that Benwick? Yep, it is Benwick. That's... I can tell which one I like. I read... <laughs> right. 
<laughs> if it's some time. Yeah, wow. Who attempts to befriend Fanny Price for selfish reasons? Mrs. Norris, Lady Stornaway, Mrs. Grant, or Miss Crawford? Uh, Miss Crawford, yeah. Yeah, Miss Crawford. Here, yeah. Through yeah. which friend did Frank Churchill and Jane Fairfax meet? Colonel Campbell, Mrs. Elton, Mr. Cole, Mrs. Dixon. Oh, Mrs. Oh. Say it again. What are the uh, options? So this is Frank Churchill and Jane Fairfax's mutual friend. Colonel right. Campbell, Mrs. Elton, Mr. Cole, or Mrs. Dixon? I don't remember. No, it's Mrs. Dixon. Oh, Mrs. Dixon. Good old Mrs. Dixon. That's an Emma. Who's Mrs. Dixon? I don't remember at all. Maybe that's just in the book. It might just be in the letter, too. Because I don't remember how they actually... Because they meet off page. That's right. So they might just be like, what, you know, some random point. Well, I told you they're getting harder as this the list sure. goes on. It's been a minute. Who befriends the lonely Frederica Vernon? What's she from? Who's Frederica Vernon? It's Catherine Vernon. Who oh. is Colonel Brandon's close friend? Oh, Sir John Middleton. Correct. Yeah. That was 10, and I think you got a good seven of them at least. Yeah, except for there's some weird ones in there, but yeah. Woo! All right. Anything else to close? I don't... We didn't really have a closing, I guess, plugs. We're going to plug your uh, writing retreat and your your novels, Um, your existing novels and upcoming novels. Yes. Which we did. Do you want to do it again? Uh, I write as Lee Dreyer, L-E-I-G-H, and then Dreyer is D-R-Y-E-R. Uh, oh, there's an E, D-R-E-Y-E-R. Um, and I wrote The Best Laid Flight Plans, uh, The Flight Path Less Traveled, and Came a Flight Gently. I'm also in the book uh, Elizabeth Obstinate Headstrong Girl. Um, I wrote the story The Last Blind Date. Uh, upcoming works are Stroke of Good Fortune, which will be a novella, probably about 30,000 words, give or take. And it should be out sometime this fall. Um, an upcoming uh, adaption, uh, like a uh, anthology by Christy Holtz. She's got two other Christmas anthologies, but I don't know who else is going to be in it. But my story is uh, likely continued to be titled Home for Christmas. And then a book called Calm Waters. And that'll be out. It'll be a regular novel length novel. And it'll when did be you write your first novel or did you write, did you write like short stories and entries before you started writing novels? You just jumped right into oh. your trilogy. When I started during, it wasn't NaNoWriMo. I, yeah, I just started the, with the trilogy and then I did last blind date as a short because I got invited to do it by the audit, the editor who was my editor for the three novels. Um, she has two other books too that are similar anthologies that are fun. Um, and, or three, I guess there's three. There's a what year was that? What year did you start? That was 2018. Wow. It came out on my birthday. That's when the novel dropped. When I turned 31, that was also when I was in Millie. As Millie, I don't understand how, and I was working um, with two kids. I'm a crazy person. I don't understand how it happens. Um, and then I did 2017, 2018, I think is when they all came out. Maybe 2019 might have been for the, or 20, 2018, 2019, 2020. I don't remember. They're all three out. doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Whenever. 
they happened at some point. So did you outline them? Like, so this trilogy, you had the trilogy planned before. Did you outline what it was going to be? And you wrote the first one and had the second two not not even started when you put your first one out? I, yeah, I hadn't started them. I had already outlined what they were going to be, but mm. I didn't. I didn't like rapid release them to write. It. Like the shortest I've ever written one, I think was like in six weeks. But that was like six weeks of writing, literally every day. You just can't. I can't imagine doing six weeks plus editing, plus reviewing, plus you know all the stuff that it takes. You got to do the cover and the formatting and all like that's so much. Yeah, and like we're not. The, I will say the community is very welcoming and inviting and. There are, with the notable exceptions, there are mostly very sweet, kind, loving people who just want everybody else to do great, you know, and that's what's awesome. Yeah, like, I've cool. got a little group text with a bunch of authors and we're like, you know, somebody was like, oh, I did this much this month. And we're like, hey, happy you go team versus being catty or rude. I mean, there's a couple, like I said, there's a couple notable ones, but for the most part, everyone really is nice. You know, the most dramatic we get is like, uh, certain authors have political opinions that they choose to share publicly on both sides of the aisle. And we all wish they would stop because yeah. that makes you have a very different opinion of their, them and their work. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like that's normal life stuff. That's not even being mean about you made Elizabeth Bennett, Mary Colonel Fitzwilliam. How dare you go? So you, and. When you were writing, you wrote you wrote stuff and sent it to like Kevin Brecky and people to to Yeah, read. if you want to see it, I'll send you my my note. I just needed some feedback really fast is what I needed. I was like, who is available that I know will give me feedback? Well, I I'm just thinking like that's good. And yeah. you can if you want to, but my question was like what did someone completely outside of the circle think about well, I asked specific questions, which was, is it too Christmassy? And he said, it's Christmassy enough because I didn't want it to like throw up Christmas. I just yeah. wanted it to be appropriately Christmas. Um, somebody else said, it's like a Hallmark Christmas movie. Is that the vibe you're going for? And I said, yes. So that was great. Um, I asked, was the romance too quick, which it was. And I already kind of knew it. Um, so I went and fixed it. And then what else did I even ask? Uh, I think I asked, does it flow well? Because I wrote it in like three different days. And you, in my mind, you could see day one, day two, day three. Like it really didn't flow. Everyone says it flowed fine. So maybe that was just my personal problem. But, and I just knew when I broke, you know, took a break. Um, but that was one of them. And uh, I had like one more question. But generally, I think Kevin thinks I'm very funny. Yeah. Like, why are you writing this? And why are you sending it to me? I just needed feedback. (laughs) I had a lot of deadline. I had like five days to, I I had written it. And then I had like five days to edit it all, fix it, and get a final version and then submit it. So it took me a minute. So I sent it to And in final news in, in Jane Austen news. I don't know what to do with this, but in September, I think we're going up to Cedar City and going to the Emma musical. And I want to talk about it. But we're not in Emma right now. We're in Sense and Sensibility, and I might just have to squeeze it in. 
I think you should just squeeze it in because you can't remember it seven yeah. years from now when you finally get to Emma. It's going to be six years from now. So because yeah. I'm, I'm upping the production schedule. <laughs> it's five and a half years from five now. Five and a half years have, from now when I get to I Emma. Have to really... <laughs> Wait, you're doing in, publish, in publishing order, right? Yeah. So Mansfield's Park, right right in between Pride and Prejudice. And oh, Emma. Mansfield Park. The one I always forget because it's so boring and I hate Penny Price. But what about Francis O'Connor or Billy Piper? Fine. That's so boring. Yeah, I'm going to love it. I'm I'm going in with a positive mental attitude. I will say Mansfield Park does have interesting social issues to discuss, discuss at least. Let's get um, Kylie on... Bridget Jones Diary, 2001. So this is what we're going to do. Oh, and also, (laughs) in the world, in my world at least, Mm -hmm. Jane Austen in the wild is just coming up more and more often. Oh, yeah. No, it just does. Like people all of a sudden just start talking about like, oh, yeah, I'm listening to Pride and Prejudice and like the audiobook. Like my little brother was listening to it on a drive with his family. And then yeah. my, I was a fam, family reunion and my cousin was talking about it. And I'm like, do you, you listen to Jane Austen? You like Jane Austen? She's like, yeah, I love Jane Austen. I'm like, well, I got a Jane Austen thing that I'm doing. <laughs> do you want to do Jane Austen? <laughs> yeah. And then my nieces, one's at BYU and then one's going to be a senior and they love Jane Austen. And they, I'm going to bring them on. They're going to be my guests on my podcast. We're gonna, I love it. We're going to talk Jane Austen adaptations together. But it's so funny how often it comes up in the wild. So that probably happens to you too, where because yeah, you're it, in the Jane Austen it world. Pops up. But it but pops it, up a lot more than you think. But it pops up without me even like bringing it up, which is yeah, funny. They're very popular. They are very popular. <laughs> they're super popular. And they, there's a lot of like... It's one of those reasons why why should you read classic novels? Partially because they're good stories, but also partially so you could just be in the world and understand the quotes. Yeah, there's a lot of Pride and Prejudice related quotes that just pop up a lot. Or, or just Jane Austen generally, but Pride and Prejudice tends to be the biggest one. Pride and Prejudice is next. I'm going to get one of my nieces to do 1940 probably. Uh my friend Carrie's going to do 1980, Pride and Prejudice. Mary Beth is going to do 95, hopefully with her daughter. Bridget Jones Diary, hopefully Kylie, if you want to co-host that one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know what to do with a Latter-day Tale. i got to uh-huh. watch it and talk. It's going to be great. <laughs> it's so good. Rachel it's, wants so... To... <laughs> <laughs> it's a product of its time. It's like a little time stamp for me. I go, oh, yeah. <laughs> that was that was college <laughs> bride and prejudice so rachel's like assigned to all the bollywood ad- adaptations yeah they're so good you're gonna do the 2005 pride and prejudice and then i've got a completely open schedule after the lizzie bennett diaries unleashing mr darcy before the fall pride and prejudice zombies pride and prejudice atlanta yay Yay. Thank you, Jess. This is it. We've been doing this thing. It's recorded three episodes. Any final thoughts before we talk again in several months? No, this was fun. Yay, sensibility. Yeah, it was good to get it out of the way. It's yeah, there's kinda... no sheep in this one. 
It's kind of boring. There's not a lot of balls. I want to see some dances. I want to see some all night parties. Yeah, but I feel like this is the story of regular life. What did mm-hmm. you do today? Unloaded the dishwasher, wandered around versus, you know, what'd you do? I went to a real rager. You know, nobody's doing that. Yeah, I went to town Crazy. with who? With my old lady neighbor that invited me down there. and we Because were... I was too poor to go on my yeah. own. Well, what'd you do? Yeah, they're poor. I think yeah. even the richest person on here isn't that rich. And that would yeah, be Colonel, Colonel Brandon. Colonel Brandon is the same as Mr. Bennett in Pride and Prejudice. Yeah, so the richest person here is the poor person in Pride and Prejudice. Right. Eh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's, you know, they're just doing their regular life thing. And I'll, how terrible. I would never want to be an unmarried female in genteel poverty. Sounds awful. 10 out of 10 would not recommend. Awesome. Well, good to see you, Jess. Nice we'll to get see together. You. We'll do some things, plan some activities. It will be so fun. I don't know. How do we end this? We're just going to end it with One a One man in possession of a podcast. See ya. <laughs> Bye.